Welcome to the podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, wait, what? Didn't we do that last week? It's been like we three weeks now. We're <laughs> too far into it. Whatever. So how, like at what point in time is the new year no longer new? I mean, it's the newest one until next year. That's true. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks Hi. for joining us. Second Sunday in Ordinary Time. Right. All right. Very good. So let's uh, jump right in. So our first reading comes from 1 Samuel 3, and here we go. Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The Lord called Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said, you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you, my son, go back to sleep. At that time Samuel was not familiar with the Lord, because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So he said to Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him, not permitting any word of his to be without effect. The responsorial psalm is from Psalm 40. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry, and he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Sacrifice or offering you wished not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Holocaust or sin offerings you sought not, then said I, behold, I come. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me, to do your will, O my God, is my delight, and your law is within my heart. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips as you, O Lord, know. Here am I, Lord, I come to do your will. And our second reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will, always, and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And our gospel comes from the Gospel of John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he he said, and followed Jesus. 
Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and they saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. We invite you at this time to reflect on these readings. But since we have already done so, we are going to dive right in. This first reading is one of my favorites. Um, as Samuel is called um, in the temple, and at this point he's sleeping in the temple um, because his mother, Hannah, had promised to entrust him to the Lord had she been given a son. Um, and so she entrusted him to the Lord, to Eli, um, who was at the temple. Um, and so Samuel sleeping there, um, and Samuel's not a whole fully sure what's going on as he's being called by the Lord because he doesn't recognize it. Um, which is kind of funny in so many ways because it's like if Eli is supposed to be teaching Samuel things, then why hasn't Eli taught Samuel um, how to recognize the Lord? But that's not here nor there. Um, but I think the fact that um, Eli or Samuel continues to respond to the voice that's calling him and he continues to seek it out and trying to determine um, who's calling him um, and that he goes towards that and um, Eli as we see in this reading, suggests for him to say, you know, speak for your servant is listening. Um, and I think what's so um, important there to me or kind of resonates with me, um, it's kind of been a, a running theme in my own life of things happening and being reminded that um, we're often called to be faithful in, in small things. Um, and I think this is the little thing that um, Samuel's being called to of like, He's just open and willing, you know, I'm here, you know, what do you, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? Um, and that he's, he's open um, and willing to go where the Lord's sending him. Um, so just that faithfulness of Samuel um, really resonated with me. Yeah, I think a lot in this reading, he kind of reminds me of the gospel readings that we had just been through with the Christmas season of St. Joseph. We talked a lot about his humility and his patience and his, in a sense, his silence and just how that is such a great representation of, you know, the patience that we're supposed to have even in the, all of the uncertainty and what we don't know coming in this next year or what was last year, you know, just kind of recalling that patience and of seeing that as a good symbol into the new year. Yeah, I, li I like this this reading a lot. Uh, clearly, Eli was not the best priest, <laughs> um, but you know he he uh, yeah. If you go through um, 
further into the readings. Eli was was not great, um, and I, 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 you can find like the conversation that happens after this where Eli finally is like, "So did you talk to God?" He's like, "Yes." What he say? And you're like, "Oh man!" Like to be a fly on that wall because Samuel has to tell Eli like you're not a good person and your family is not good people like you've done a lot of bad things um so that would have been interesting but i I do like that it kind of ends here uh speak for your servant is listening uh and so samuel grows up and the lord was always with him not permitting any word of his to be without effect and i think that's so powerful because how often do we go into the adoration chapel or into mass or even in our own homes or wherever it might be and we pray but we don't ever stop to listen. You know, and he says, your servant is listening. It's not, I'm going to keep talking over this God who is trying to call out to me of all of whatever I see as my needs. It's, I'm just going to listen to what you want in my life. Um, And because of that, uh, it says, not permitting any word of his to be without effect, which, again, is very powerful. Because Samuel's job is to point to someone greater than himself, right? He's the the bridge between the judges and the kings. And so his entire life is spent pointing people to the king. Um, You know, so we have Saul, we have David, and Samuel's the one who anoints those people into that way. And I think it parallels perfectly with John the Baptist, who understands his role, and that his role is not to be the person who brings... Uh, people to himself, but points people to the king, right? Jesus Christ. And he says that with the line of, behold the Lamb of God. And these two disciples are smart enough to recognize exactly what was said, and they just drop everything and immediately follow. Um, And then it reminds me, of course, we've talked a number of times between the podcast and coffee chats um, of the show, The Chosen, but if if you've seen it, there's a, this happens in that show where Andrew goes to Peter and he's like, we've found the Messiah. And uh, he brings Peter to the, 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 the edge of the shore and Jesus standing in a fishing boat. And clearly Peter doesn't recognize who it is. And as soon as he does, Jesus is like, hello, Peter. It's like, oh, man, that was awesome. So, yeah, very clear connection between uh, who Samuel uh, is or was and who John the Baptist is. Um, Another thing that I think is really cool. So the Gospel of John is written in a formula where we have these great I am statements, right? We have I am the bread of life and so on and so on. Like we have seven of them. But John actually says four times, maybe three times, in the same Gospel, I am not. You remember the, the scene where the Pharisees and Sadducees, they ask him, are you the Elijah? Are you the Messiah? And he says, I am not. Um, and it just reiterates like the mission that John has, that we all have, is that none of us should ever say, I am, before pointing out that I am not God. I am not the Messiah. I am the, the minister, I, you know, whether it's family ministry or youth ministry, whatever it might be, we are that. But our mission is to always point to people to who the one that actually proclaims I am and does it in a truthful way. There's a beautiful prayer um, and I think it might be 
don't really quote me on this, maybe Oscar Romero, but I might be, I'll have to figure out exactly who it was, but it's a very short four-line prayer, and it starts with, I'm not, and you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you were talking about that, it just very much reminded me, um, it goes, I'm not, you are, I'm yours, show me the way. Um, and so just that very much reminder of, I can't do this because you are the Lord. I really love this gospel. Um, it's reminding me, we always start the uh, the confirmation seventh grade class. This is the first lesson. We call it, and it's titled, like, where are you going? Or where am I going? Um, and because we read through this gospel, it's where Jesus, the two disciples, you know, they're, they're watching John and listening to what he's saying, and then he says, behold the Lamb of God, so they just go follow him. And he turns around, and th- these are Jesus' first words in the Gospel of John, where he says, what are you looking for? Um, which I think is just like the coolest image. I don't know, I just have this, there's this very cool image in my mind. And that's, you know, how we start the year with the confirmation students of just like, what, what are you looking for? Um, and how is Jesus going to be the answer for whatever you give? Um, and so the other important thing that I love with this is that it gives a detail of it was about four in the afternoon, which is such a, like, it feels like such a minor detail that doesn't matter to anyone else, but um, the idea that the whoever gave this account, uh, whether it was John himself or somebody that talked to John that was one of these these disciples um, that first followed Jesus, it was so important to them that this happened at this time. It was such a memorable thing that they remembered, not even what words were said, but they just remembered what time it was. Um, and it's been a good reflection every now and then throughout the years to ask, like, what four o'clock moments are there in my own life? Um, it's a good way to remember kind of what, what are some of those foundation encounters that I draw from in my experience of faith? Um, and just how much am I uh, paying attention to what's going on in those moments? Yeah, just a, a quick note also on Corinthians for anybody who's kind of wondering some of that stuff there. Um, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. If you read back in the First Corinthians, the beginning of chapter 6, um, what Paul is referencing here is uh, the people of Corinth are still celebrating pagan worship in a lot of ways. And so what would happen with those pagan worships um, is that they would go into a pagan temple for whichever Greek god there was, Zeus or Athena or Apollo and so on and so on. And they would make animal sacrifices. And with those animal sacrifices, they would also indulge in very physical human things, right? Whether it was um, the sin of gluttony or the sin of lust, whatever was going on. Uh, But they would do it with the understanding that, well, I'm a Christian now. So I know that God has prepared heaven for me. So it's perfectly fine for me to continue to do these bad things to keep up with the, the Joneses, so to speak, right? Uh, and so Paul's telling him, like, no, you know better than to do this. And the only thing you should be doing to your bodies and with your bodies is understanding that God gave you that body, not as an instrument of immorality, but for good. Um, and, and it has been purchased at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And, of course, that price being uh, the crucifixion and, and Jesus' death on the cross. So... Uh, just a little background for that as well. Uh, if you were wondering about the scripture there, uh, we look forward to 
talking to you. It's always weird to say it that way. We look forward to talking to you guys again next week about the third Sunday in Ordinary Time. Thanks for joining us again. God bless you all, and talk to you later. Have a great week.